0: One guest, ten songs, ten reasons. Music was my first love
1: on Radio Glamorgan. My guest on this edition of Music Was My First Love has been a professional broadcaster for over 30 years and is a former resident of the children's BBC Broom Cupboard along with Gordon and Ed. He's fronted TV programmes for BBC and ITV as well as hosting Top of the Pops, and helped launch GMTV. He also has a long career in radio and currently hosts a weekly morning show on Radio Somerset. All that from someone who, from an early age, wanted to be an actor. I'm talking about Simon Parkin, and with a fair bit to talk about, we'll hear from Simon after his first choice, which is from Kylie. Simon Parkin, welcome to Radio Glamorgan Music. was my first love.
0: Well, thank you for having me. What a pleasure to be here.
1: Ah, it's good to have you. Thank you, Simon. Tell me about your first choice from Kylie Minogue.
0: Well, just listening to it, suddenly I'm 23 again. Very exciting time in my life, and the song came out. I'd just moved into my first flat, and I was sent a cassette of... I think it was sort of pre-release from the the plug-in company for Mm. Kylie... And it was one of those songs that we, you know, you, you, with cassettes, the, the good old days of cassettes, you had to rewind them yeah. to listen again. And I just remember painting and shifting stuff around and just Kylie constantly playing. My poor neighbours, what they must have thought, this, <laughs> this idiot had moved in upstairs and was blasting us with Stock Aitken and Waterman. House prices were going to plummet. But we, we got through it. It was fine.
1: And happy memories.
0: Oh, unbelievably happy memories. It was such a brilliant time
1: of my life. Uh, have you always been a music lover?
0: I think so, yeah. I, I, no, I'm not kind of an album lover. I'm not one of those people that, that obsesses over, you know, 70 minutes of the same yeah. artist and, and whatever journey they're going on. As great as albums are, I'm very much a pop and Top of the Pops was obviously, a, a, you know, an essential in my house Thursday mm. nights. Top of the Pops and Tomorrow's World, that's what it was. Listening to Radio 1 and and just hearing little short three minute pop songs that that made you feel good, bad, or indifferent.
1: So you must have a full collection of uh, the now that's what I call music albums. Well, no, <laughs> I,
0: to be honest, no, I haven't because I was uh, obsessed with buying singles, and right. so I've got I've got in the garage here, I've got loads and loads of records and nothing to play them on, and they're probably all manky now and covered in all sorts of mold. However. I couldn't part with them. No, of course you couldn't. You know, each one of them, you kind of pick them up and you remember the the cover. And I used to have a thing with a friend of mine called Phil where we, we used to, it sounds stupid now, but we used to have singles and they were either in stiff covers or not stiff covers. P- both picture sleeves. Yeah. But some of them were like flimsy and paper and, and obviously that was when the records were getting more popular. They were just knocking them out dead quick. But if you got one of the first copies, it was like this really stiff, lovely, the smell of not just the vinyl, but the smell of the the cover yeah. just could take me back to a brilliant time.
1: As a child, you wanted to be an actor. Did, were, were there any acting heroes that inspired you?
0: Yeah, I think it was watching James Bond films. Was it? Okay. Thought, that's, that's what you want to do. You want to be going <laughs> yeah. around. You want to be not the done thing in this day and age, don't get me wrong, but you wanted to have, like, you know, a gun that you could point and you wanted to frighten people. And, of course, you know, he was a, a bit of a hit with the women. So what's not to love about James Bond?
1: So you you probably that would have been a a Roger Moore era?
0: Yeah, I think so. I do remember going to see... The first film I went to see at the pictures was um, Diamonds Are Forever. Right. And I just remember being so small, quite why my parents took me, I've got no idea, but we went, and I just remember curling up on the floor because it was I don't think I'd sat that still for that long ever in my entire life (laughs) and not quite getting it but then when when Roger Moore came in and then the the Bond film started to be on telly three years suddenly it was like wow that's what
1: I want to do Your second choice is from one of if not the biggest names in world music but not necessarily an obvious choice so tell me about Paul McCartney's This One
0: Well I have a very personal reason for why I love this song and I also just love the words so I did a top of the pulse and Paul McCartney was on it and so I got to spend a bit of time in the company of Paul McCartney lovely experience cannot tell you how amazing it was mm. on the day and the song is just brilliant it's it's basically or this is what I've taken it to be I didn't run it by Paul but I, I took it to be the the missed opportunity to tell the people that you care for the people that you love just how much they mean to you and you never tend to do that until they're not here and you have that awful situation where you think god I wish I'd said mm-hmm. and you just listen to the, to the words of the song and it's you know if I didn't say it I was only waiting for a better moment that didn't come and it just is such a brilliant song I was only waiting
1: For a better moment That didn't come Did you have music growing up at home?
0: Yes, yeah, the, the radio was always on in the kitchen, as it still is, as an adult, and pop music was just playing all the time, and because I loved the medium of radio and loved pop music, what, what, when I was growing up, there was nothing else other than pop music, we didn't have computer games, we had comics, no. but it was just the Beano, and so <laughs> pop music was very important to me, and the, the magic of buying singles, you know, going yeah. to Woolworths as it was and and also going to WH Smith's Boots even used to sell records and, and you'd get them and sometimes you, you couldn't afford because they were quite expensive, they were a pound a go and you couldn't afford them when they came out so you had to wait till they were in the bargain bin which was always a <laughs> win as well. When you got something that you wanted for half the price that was a brilliant thing.
1: You're uh, just a few, a couple of years younger than me, I'm 55 so, I mean, we were both children of pop music
0: it was it was great, and it, also the the energy of pop music through my growing up and understanding music. And I never got into sort of the rock stuff particularly, but and I wasn't a John Peel aficionado. Don't get me wrong, mm. but to hear punk come in, and I wasn't a punk fan, but to to see the ripples of punk push its way through music, and I would would listen to Noel Edmonds was my first Radio One breakfast show, yeah. which, who I loved, and then. Dave Lee Travis did it for a little while, and then Mike Reed came in, and yeah. Mike Reed brought modern music to Radio 1, and, and it was edgy, and it was raw, and it had such energy, and so that was what kind of shaped my music love.
1: Mike Reed, that was the first time I heard Going Underground from the jam.
0: Mm-hmm great uh, song, still a great
1: fantastic song. Fantastic song. That young boy that was listening to pop music, was there anyone in particular? Or was it all bits of everything?
0: Well, oh, Just bits of everything, I think. I, I mean, my first source of musical introduction, and also my introduction into wanting to be a DJ, was listening to Tony Blackburn. He used to do, on Radio 1, he used to do at 9 o'clock, the golden hour, yeah. which, of course, he still does now on Radio 2, <laughs> it's a different kind of thing. And my mum and dad had a box set of I don't know if you remember these, Reader's Digest Oh goodness me, These yes. box sets of records, dead expensive and they would be a decade in the box set and so we had the 60s one at home and I heard Tony Blackburn doing the Sensational Go Now and he was just talking in between the records And and so I then got out my mum and dad's reader's digest box set put on like 1961 and talked in between the tracks and was doing the golden hour in the sort of the three seconds of gap yeah and that's when I thought oh, I could do this this is quite good fun quite like this so so music you know 60s music that my mum and dad had they obviously had the albums I had all the the singles because I couldn't well, I could have afforded an album um but but all of the albums that they had still sound great today John Denver, The Carpenters, yeah. Bread—you know—you listen to these amazing songs and think, "God, it's just such a good, good time to have been a young person learning about music."
1: And for broadcasting, it started for you uh, in hospital radio. Where was that?
0: That was in a station called Radio Wishing Well, which was at Park Hospital in Hume, Which was—I later found out many years later—the first NHS hospital. Was it? Wow. And it was my local hospital and they were starting up a hospital radio session i think i would have been about 13 14 i was desperate to get into radio at that point and obviously there were rules and you can't just join Hmm. but because it was a new station one of the things they were going to have was a children's program and because i was a child i was allowed to be on the children's program so i had an hour we had a three-hour saturday morning children's program that three of us presented we each did an hour and i did the first hour And it was just an amazing thing to be able to sit in. And it wasn't a high-tech studio, don't get me wrong. It wasn't anything like I'd seen pictures of when I looked at the Radio Times. But it was broadcasting. It was knowing that via some very odd little kind of tube thing that sat over somebody's ear. Mm -hmm. You know, it was that unsophisticated back then. Someone could hear the song that I was playing for them. And I'd been on the, re- the ward earlier getting the requests, and then I was in the studio playing the song that they wanted to hear. Not always the song that they wanted to well, hear. Well, no. Sometimes I snuck in something <laughs> that I wanted to hear. But, you know, you're allowed to break the rules.
1: You know, Noel Edmonds was the first voice I remember hearing on the radio, but was it Edmonds and Blackburn that, that were the inspirations?
0: Noel Edmonds, definitely. Still a fantastic broadcaster. Still the man I would put at the top of the tree as someone who just knows how to do it well. Mm. And then it was Mike Reed, and then it was, as I sort of got a bit older and got a bit more radio geeky, you know, all of the presenters on Radio 1, Gary Davis, he'd been at my local station, Piccadilly in Manchester, and then he went to Radio 1, and so to hear him on national radio was was an amazing thing. Bruno hmm. Brooks, Simon Bates, all of these well, great y- names of radio.
1: That was my hero. I wanted to host Simon Bates's Radio 1 show. On weekday mornings, which is what you're doing now, which we'll talk about later. Um, And so radio was the focus for you, wasn't it, then? That's where you wanted to find your career.
0: Yeah, I wanted to be on the radio. Well, I wanted to be Noel Edmonds, is the top and bottom of it, though I've never been able to grow a beard. Uh, (laughs) I wanted to be Noel Edmonds, so I wanted to do radio, and then I wanted to, because you do radio one, you then do Top of the Pops, and Mm -hmm. then you become a TV Superstar. So that's how I saw my career progression. It, it didn't quite pan out how I wanted it to, but I'm not complaining.
1: Now, your second choice uh, was from a famous name, but not a song one might have expected. And for your third choice, a well-known song in Bring Me Sunshine, but why in particular the Willie Nelson version?
0: I think I'm just fractionally too young. You all feel the same, because we're a similar age, yeah. where I, I knew of Morecambe and Wise, and they were on probably only on the Christmas specials, and then I think they did the Thames show yeah. while I was sort of young enough. But th- it wasn't cool, it wasn't what I was into, but I was aware that they were good. And, of course, they sang Bring Me Sunshine, which is just a great song. Mm. And then, years and years later, I heard the Willie Nelson version. Now, Willie Nelson, other Willie Nelson songs, he's a bit... What's the word I'm after? Dour, perhaps? <laughs> His songs <laughs> a little bit downbeat. So to hear Willie Nelson strip back this song (laughs) and do it, not with a big band like Morecambe and Wise did, but just him and it just sounds great and and, and the words are fantastic and, and his performance is brilliant. Bring me sunshine in your smile.
1: Simon Parkin's third choice on this edition of Music was my first love, Willie Nelson's version of Bring Me Sunshine. Now, Philip Schofield, Andy Peters, Andy Crane, how did you find your name on the list of occupants of the BBC Broom Cupboard?
0: by sheer good luck. My, good. My Best life way. has been built on timing and luck. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to get my first break in radio at a station called Radio Tees up in the northeast. And I hadn't been there very long and there was a presenter there who'd been there for years. He was not much older than me, but he'd been there since being a boy and he'd done all of the you know working his way up from the bottom to the top and he was one of the star names at the station and he did a Saturday breakfast show I then did the chart show on a Saturday morning and I came in one Saturday and the first thing you do when you go to a radio session is you read all of the papers and there was a thing in the papers about Philip Schofield who at that point was doing the broom cupboard and he was going to take over from Mike Reed. On Saturday Superstar mm-hmm. and at the end of the article it said they don't know yet who he's gonna take over from Philip Schofield in the broom cupboard which had just they had not been going for a couple of years it had yeah. been this massive success so I said to mark the guy who's on before me desperate to get into TV you should go for that and he said oh no I'm too tall and they won't worry and he was dead miserable about it so two hours later my show ends and my friend Andy Hollins comes in as the guy who's taking over. And I said, oh, there's this thing in the paper. I said to Mark, he should... Uh. And and so Andy Hollins said, well, why don't you go for it? So I said, well, don't be daft. I've only been here for, like, two months. I'm not ready to go onto TV. And he said, no, no, honestly, it just so happened, by sheer good luck, here's the good luck bit, he had auditioned for Children's BBC when Andy Crane had auditioned. Now, Andy Hollins didn't get the job. But he said, here's the name of the man at the BBC. And he wrote down... On a piece of paper, the name Pat Hubbard and a telephone number. And he said, Phone Pat Hubbard. And so I sat and looked at this piece of paper and thought, I can't do that. I've got too much else to do. And then a few days later, I had one of those bad meetings with my boss when he wasn't very happy with what <laughs> I'd been doing. And I thought, right, so do you. I thought, forgive my French. And so I phoned Pat Hubbard at the BBC. Now, had I phoned 10 minutes earlier or 10 minutes later, I suspect he wouldn't have answered his phone. But he did. And so this lovely man called Pal, but no, 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 don't believe anything you read in the paper, we're not looking for anybody. Um, but what do you do? So I told him that I was a DJ at this commercial radio session. And he then said, oh, well, why don't you come and see me? When are you next in London? Now here I am in Stockton on Tees. I never go to London. So I said, well, I don't really ever come to London. And he said, well, when's your next day off? So I said, Thursday. He said, right, well, come down on Thursday. So th- Thursday, there I am on a train. From Darlington at six o'clock in the morning, heading to London. I get off the train, get on the tube, walk out in White City and see this amazing building that is television Mm. centre. The building I'd seen on Blue Peter so many times, children in need. And I was going in. I was allowed to say to the commissioner, I've got a meeting. In I go. This lovely man called Pat Hubbard comes down and meets me in reception, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, this is all my dreams have come true, I'm, I could die now and I'm happy, <laughs> he then takes me to have a look around Television Centre, all of the big studios, such and so Blue Peter's in here, such and such is in there This is, they're doing a comedy in here, he then takes me to a very little studio at the back of um, it, well it was the back of the third floor of Television Centre and says, I hope you don't mind but I'm just going to sit you in here, plonked a little microphone on me, shoved an earpiece in my ear then disappeared into the gallery and talked to him. higher right, just tell me about yourself, talk about this, do that. And then he, at the end of that, and I just chatted, he then came back into the studio and said, oh, I'm really sorry, that was very wrong of me to audition you without giving you any time to prepare, but would you like to come and work here? And that was, that was it. And then the next thing I know, I was going to do two weeks at Christmas, and then I did two weeks at Easter, and then I never left. So it was just one of those things. I'll, I'll swear to God, if I hadn't phoned Pat Hubbard on the day I did, I think he'd had a liquid lunch. You know, it, was one of those <laughs> things. it was the dumb thing back then. And I think I just caught him at the right time, said something that he thought, oh, this guy sounds all right, turned up, and I, I clearly was all right in terms of what he was looking for. And the next thing I know, there I am doing national television.
1: Had he told you what was going to happen you'd have gone over it in your head a hundred times oh god yeah yeah and and there's a there's a degree of ad-libbing and being relaxed on tv
0: well as i say i was just to be in the building that was enough for me and i'll be honest all the while that i was working there just being in the building was enough for me to to then be able to whatever communication i did through that microphone and that earpiece i have no idea because i wasn't very good at television and there are videos on youtube that can prove that but (laughs) uh, you know it was just one of those timing perfect you know situation perfect and and it was just a brilliant brilliant opportunity that, that thank god paid off
1: but of course it wasn't just the broom cupboard so tell me what was ozone and but first this
0: Ozone and, but first this, were offshoots of The Broom Cupboard. So you had The Broom Cupboard was the afternoon strand, and it was basically, where we did The Broom Cupboard from was the BBC One continuity studio. So the the very deep voice, lovely man who'd say, this is BBC One, now the news at night. Um, we were in that room, which is why it looked a bit like a radio studio. And they, the BBC had no money, they were just doing this experiment with children's programmes, so they just shoved a camera on an arm, No cameraman, no floor manager, nothing like that. And Philip did an amazing job of making a club feel to the programmes. And the the ratings proved that there were more people watching the bits in between the programmes sometimes than the actual programmes that were on. And so as that proved popular, they then broadened it out to do holiday mornings. So But First This was the summer holiday strand. The Ozone was the pop show that was within that. And so... We were this this little unit. We weren't children's programmes. We were the presentation department who did all of the the trails and the continuity stuff. And so we were sort of left alone to do what we liked. And we just had, I I can't stress it enough, we just had fun for all the time that I was there. There were probably big meetings about ratings and is this the right person and all that Mm. kind of stuff. But nobody ever troubled us with that. We just were... You're right, what we're we gonna do with Ed today. We got loads of letters, so we'd just look at the letters and that would shape the content that we were gonna do and it was just an amazing time.
1: But from my recollection that came over. Whether it was yeah, whether I, it was I, you guys I, on your own or with other people, you were just having a ball.
0: We were and as I say, you know, I watch YouTube now and think, God, how did they let this go on? BBC One, and we were accidentally getting like 12 million viewers Accidentally, Neighbours was this massive success, and so if you were on before Neighbours, all of the people who tuned in for Neighbours sort of accidentally found you, and so we we were just in this amazing position to to do very relaxed, fun, you know, not high-tech at all TV, and at the time it worked a treat, and at 5.30 on a Wednesday afternoon when it was pouring down in, in LaMorgan You know It was like Well that's great That's fine You know Cardiff They're just They're happy Just to watch the telly Yeah There was There were no distractions That we have now So you know A lot of children Tuned in A lot of grown ups Tuned in
1: Bit of disco Slash funk For your fourth choice Simon Uh, You could have chosen One of many Sister Sledge tracks So why Thinking of you
0: well, I like love songs, but I'm not very good with dirge music and a lot of love songs are written after the events when it's all tragic and the the love is over and it's all downbeat and this is just such a lovely song about being in love with someone and, and what a great song.
1: It's you, you. Do you know, Simon, there's two things you can't get tired of. One is Joni Sledge's vocal, and the other is that Nile Rogers riff.
0: Oh, I'm amazing. It sounds great, and the words are lovely. It's just a good song.
1: Your next choice is a great radio pop song. Tell me about Corner Shops Brimful of Asher.
0: Well, fast forward now, and I'm a fully fledged grown up. My daughter <laughs> was born in 1995, and at that point, I became someone who was. Didn't know where night was or day was or anything like that. I was trying to, you know, kind of work around being a dad and all that kind of stuff. And so pop music disappeared off my radar for a little while. I am one of those people who I refuse flatly to dance. I will point blank never, ever dance. We go to family parties, weddings, never. I'm never going to be on the dance floor. I've, I've professionally, when I've been asked to do sort of dance routines for TV or for pantos, had proper bona fide solid choreographer saying of course you can dance everyone can dance and about three minutes later go no you're right you can't dance. <laughs> so the only dancing I ever did was when my daughter was quite small and I would pick her up and we would dance around to this song I don't know quite how this song became the song that we danced to but whenever I hear it and it's played on the radio a lot now, so it just puts a smile on my face as there's me holding a small child who's giggling profusely as I'm lamely trying to kind of find something resembling a rhythm and a beat. I've got no idea if I did, but it's still a great song.
1: And I take it, therefore, we're never going to see one Strictly.
0: <laughs> well, I th- the money would be great. So, yes. You know, I'll give I'll it a go. But I, th- I think, much like John Sargent, yeah. I would be the... Uh, the the possibly the one that had to step uh. away because it just wouldn't be right and movie
1: scenes, those movie online on mobile and on smart speaker we are radio Glamorgan.
0: to the lyrics how often do we hear songs that you don't even listen to the words of And mm. you can't not be moved by those words and so beautifully written when you're old and tired and gray and you wear your overcoat on sunny days it's what we've all got to look for <laughs> hopefully there will be someone in our lives who will be there making sure that they've got a hand to hold when you need it well great song
1: and what a voice
0: oh amazing amazing just from start to finish Three minutes of pure joy. I'll, I'll be honest, I only discovered it by accident when, because I'm a bit of a geek, I listened to the the Desert Island discs that Terry Wogan did. Right. And every song he picked on it, I was thinking, God, these are brilliant. Yeah. And And that was one of them. And you think, gosh, what an, what an amazing... Written by Martina McBride. How on earth she came up with the poetry and the tune, I've got no idea.
1: You moved uh, to ITV... Taking mm-hmm. part in a number of regional shows But you were there at the launch of GMTV What was that like um, Apart from obviously the early starts
0: Oh it was amazing I had done my time at Children's BBC And then there was, We always had this theory That you would You leave the BBC and you double your money And you go to ITV And, um, and it sort of accidentally happened And so I ended up there for the launch of GMTV Brilliant opportunity. The studios were amazing on the South Bank in London. I don't know if you've ever been lucky enough to go no. there. It's just an amazing place. Having, having spent my career in, in London at White City, which is not the most salubrious of bits of London, suddenly to be by the Thames, and a sunny day in London by the Thames when you're working in a building where legends have have walked through the doors many, many times over and so GMTV was launching it was back then ITV was all these different companies so it wasn't even just like a program that was starting it was a whole new TV channel that was launching and there was so much excitement there were there were so many brilliant people around and we for 3 months before we went on air we were doing rehearsals and so we were pretending we were on air and the only people that weren't there were the viewers and then when it went on air wasn't quite so good because then suddenly the viewers mattered and the Big Breakfast had launched on Channel Four mm. and had sort of come from nowhere and so it was a bit of a rough start for GMTV. But to, to have been there for the the planning for all of the meetings when the programmes were coming together, the the talent that was in the room, and we'd have champagne breakfasts when the the dummy programmes had finished. You know, it was like the, I was living the dream, mm. proper living the dream. Also. GMTV is where I met my wife. So, you know, a very special thing happened to me while I was getting up at heaven knows what o'clock. But it was just an amazing experience to to see what commercial television was like and how cutthroat TV suddenly was. But to be there from the start was just great.
1: So who were you working with? Who were the main presenters then?
0: The main presenters, initially, the main presenters were... Uh, Fiona Armstrong, who had been a newsreader on ITN, yep. and she was brilliant, and a chap called Michael Wilson, who had been on Sky, who is the loveliest man in the history of the whatever. Eamon Holmes was there. He was part of the B team when we launched. Lorraine Kelly was doing yeah. the, the After 9 slot that she's kind of still doing Still doing, doing now. yeah. And, and so it was just amazing people. So many talented people. And I, I learnt so much from just seeing how they worked, being in the room with them, understanding about news and the changing agenda of the programme. Hmm. And it was just just a brilliant, brilliant time.
1: Your uh, fourth Joy Simon, is the second of two former Beatles, and you've chosen George Harrison's Any Road.
0: Yeah, I, I knew George Harrison's sort of big hit singles, but I didn't know much about him. He was the quiet man of the Beatles, didn't know a lot. And then when he died... There was obviously an outpouring of grief, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. And then I started to discover some of the songs. And this is great. He was a massive ukulele player. and well, Not a massive ukulele, obviously a normal size But uh, he was... He, so it's ukulele-based song. And the, again, it's a, the lyrics that are... When you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. We've all had days when we think, oh, I'm just going to chuck all of this in. And let's worry about what happens tomorrow, tomorrow. And it sort of encompasses that spirit of... Uh, just take a chance.
1: Very travelling Wilburys.
0: And there's the ukulele. The do <laughs> oh, you love it? Don't oh, you love it?
1: Simon Parkin, seventh choice on this edition of Music Was My First Love from George Harrison. Let's talk radio. We mentioned earlier hospital radio, but the medium has been a real passion for you, hasn't it? With uh, Radio T, GLR, Radio 5 for the BBC and, of course, now Radio Somerset. So how did you get your foot in the door with Teesside?
0: Again, was very lucky and I was... At the point at which I was trying to get into radio, I was doing the hospital radio and I was honing my skills and I was sending tapes to radio stations now back then we're talking late 80s there were only a handful of radio stations there was your four national networks on the BBC there were uh, uh, I don't know about 20 BBC local stations and about 13 commercial stations and I sent the tapes out and got all the rejection letters that i still kept and I then saw an advert for Radio Tees They actually wanted a presenter. So I sent a tape in and heard nothing and waited and still heard nothing. And so I got bored. And so I (laughs) dared to phone. So I phoned Radio Tees and spoke to the head of programs, a man called Peter Craig, lovely man. And again, we had a chat and he said, oh, no, we've not made the decision yet, but we'll be in touch. And then sure enough, he called me up a couple of days later and said, right, come and do an audition. I then went I was living in Manchester at the time in the family home and then went over to to Stockton on Tees across the Pennines and did did a, a demo tape uh, uh, in the studio of Radio Tees which was great and and then they said yep yeah, come and do a handful of Saturday afternoons and then that led to to doing the evening show they were I was very lucky in that at that point Radio Tees had been a massive successful station and it had shrunk down and so they were sharing a lot of the output with the big station down the road, Metro in Newcastle, hmm. and they then wanted to make it more radio tees again. So they there there wasn't a show that that I was kind of like you know ousting someone for. There was no show, and suddenly I was on between six and eight Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Very odd scheduling, but we won't argue. And uh, and there I was doing what I always wanted to do, and it was just everything that I hoped that radio would be. It was a station that was going places. They had. They also had this thing called music scheduling. So, you know, you didn't turn up and choose the songs that you wanted to play. A computer told you that you had to play the songs that you were going to play. And um, there I was doing Radio Tees, and it was just a a brilliant opportunity. The people that I met there, the the fact that I was broadcasting on a radio station that my parents were able to, to drive to just the other side of Leeds and listen to, was this amazing thing.
1: And it sounds to me that radio is where you're happiest.
0: I think so. TV is great, and I love doing TV, and there are things you can do on TV that you can't do on radio. And radio is one of those instant mediums. And the broom cupboard for Children's BBC was a bit like this, in that you could have an idea, and within a few minutes, it would be on the air. And radio has that immediacy that TV... Oh, hang on, we've got to get someone in to do this. We've got to to get a set. We've got to do this. Radio, you just... As long as you've got a microphone... You can do what you like and and radio will always be the place where I feel that I am the most connected to whoever is my audience that day so radio are, you know I think of my listening in the kitchen we 're having tea or we're having breakfast, and there 's stuff going on, and the radio is in the corner, and it might give you a bit of entertainment, it might give you a song that you like, might give you some important news that might break your heart, but radio has that sense of specialness about it that tv doesn't tv you've got to be 100 percent watching the tv and it tells you everything you want well, I yeah. work for a tv channel where there would be a news story and they would say right the price of carrots has gone up right we need a picture of a carrot now i'm sorry but everybody knows what a carrot looks hmm. like you don't need to worry about that with radio you are telling the story using only words and you know as i've been banging on about some of the lyrics of the songs that I've chosen the words if they're put together in the right order can be more powerful than any visual image ever and radio gives that joy to both the people who are doing it and hopefully the listeners whether they're transient listeners who are driving in their car wishing that the jam would clear and the rain wasn't pouring down on them or whether they are someone who is actually dedicated listening because they they want to hear what you're doing it's that sort of special relationship you don't get with any other kind of broadcaster.
1: terry wergen always used to say that that your your microphone is your listener
0: Mm. well i mean i talk to the clock it's who i talk to in my studio i look at the clock and then that's it's not gonna yawn if i'm being boring it's you know it's not gonna get up and walk out so it's it's always there so it's face is the face that I'm looking at. But, you know, hopefully someone at the other end of all of the wires and the transmitters and a little transistor in their kitchen is going, yeah, this is all right.
1: Uh, I've got a text here I want to read you. It says, ask Simon about his once favourite Saturday morning travel guy.
0: My once favourite Saturday morning travel guy? Oh, my God. Now, this is where I I, I use the wrong name and go, oh, God. Are we talking Ollie?
1: Well, we're talking uh, Radio Glamorgan is the link.
0: Uh, okay. G- give me another clue. Uh
1: Jamie Pritchard.
0: Oh oh that one's famous. <laughs> yeah, of course, Jamie, yeah, of course. Now, probably what I did on all of the uh, all of the emails to the to the travel reporters who were always in a different building to me. Uh, when they left, I would always say, Oh, you're all my favourite. Which apparently is what Bruce Forsyth <laughs> yeah, used to do on yeah. But you yeah, oh, all know Jamie Pritchard, uh, you know, he is a, a, an absolute legend, lovely man. Uh cannot fault him. Actually he's the man who put part me in touch with you, isn't he? Yeah. So it's him we have to thank for, for me being here today.
1: Yes, we do. Thank you, Jamie. Um, and, and for those people who are wondering who the heck we're talking about, uh, he's currently chairman of uh, Radio Glamorgan. The unique, to say the least, Malcolm McLaren up next, Simon, uh, something's jumping in your shirt.
0: Yes, I'm right back in 1989, Children's BBC. I did But First This that summer. It was the first time that I'd worked with Andy Peters, who is without a doubt, one of the nicest people in the history of the world mm. ever, and also someone who is someone who just knows how to make television good. He just it just oozes out of him. Oh, let's do this, let's do that, and so
1: that and he went summer, into production, didn't he?
0: He did, yeah, and and brilliantly. You know, he he his CV is to die for, and again, lovely man at the other end of it. And I, he was without knowing what a mentor was back then, he mentored me. You know, he taught me how to right, do this, say that, wear this. Everything that, that happened good in my career is based on the, the time that I spent working with Andy Peters. I cannot sing his praises enough. And in that year of But First This, we used to have, a, in the Ozone, we used to have a video vote. And right at the very end of the series, they said, right, you can choose the songs on the video vote. And I chose Malcolm McLaren, something jumping in my shirt. Not a big hit, only got to number 29 in the charts. And it's just one of those songs that just has energy The Malcolm McLaren production on it means you've got an orchestra and the words, again, the words are lovely. It takes me back to that, we've all been there, that first flush of excitement when a relationship starts and you are, you're breathless when it's the person that you want it to be on the other end of the phone or you're in the room with them and you kind of, you know, sort of pinching yourself at how exciting this relationship is going to be often doesn't pan out like that but mm-hmm. at the start of the relationship the joy of your heart beating that little bit faster just at the mention of someone's name or at the wink of an eye or whatever then this song has it all. <laughs>
1: Tell me, Simon, about your current morning show on Radio Somerset and what someone can expect to hear tuning in for the first time.
0: Um, a ramshackle mess, mostly. <laughs> um, the, the plan is that we are a, a um, an entertainment magazine show, so we basically, uh, we're all about getting people with good stories to tell, whether they are famous people, whether they are people who have been through some sort of health awfulness and come out the other end and are trying their hardest to, to make sure that nobody else goes through it whether or not they are people who are just doing an event that is going to raise money for this, that and the other and we, we find the most brilliant people and so we're, we're very lucky that we do the show every day, we have a couple of great guests we have music obviously we've got a quiz that that it's not quite pop master but we're trying <laughs> and uh, w- you know we just we just have fun and we get lots of interaction from the listeners we get them to tell stories based on things that we see in the news so there's a sort of topical edge to it and obviously if there's breaking news we're there for that as well but essentially it's just four hours of fun to take you from the, the morning into the afternoon
1: so is it a similar style because you mentioned the word magazine, and I always thought he was a very magazine-type presenter. Is it very similar to what Simon Bates was doing? Is it that sort of more that than than what Noel was doing? I suppose.
0: Oh, I think so. Yeah, only because of the time that you're on, and people kind of want different things. Breakfast yeah. time, you kind of you want fast, furious. You you don't want to be hanging around. We have the luxury of because we're on at a time when people are perhaps more of them are listening because they have chosen to listen they don't want to watch this morning on the telly they're not going out they're they're actually just sitting hoping to have a bit of company from the radio and so we've got time to do interviews that can be 10 15 minutes you know in commercial radio you you do a 10 second link and that's that's enough get another song on um we're we're hopefully about just you know let's just pause for a moment let's just hear what this person has got to say Uh, you know and i'm often sitting there awestruck going my god and then what happened and and that's sort of how it works so it's a very lovely format to be part of and and we're so blessed that we get the most brilliant guests i spoke this week in the week that we're talking i spoke to the guy who was do you remember the film Cool runnings the, it was about the Jamaican bobsleigh team oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who entered the Winter Olympics. I spoke to the the captain of that team, the oh, real man yeah. who was the the inspiration behind the film, and to hear him talking about the highs and lows of this amazing thing that they did back in the the 1980s, and to to just I could have sat and listened to him all day because the stories he was telling, the the thoughts that he had about this amazing journey that he'd been on, and the psychological damage when they crashed out of the Olympics, as Mm. they would. This is a bobsleigh team from Jamaica. But he was just so riveting to listen to, and no other job that I could ever do would mean that I could, on one morning, talk to the man who was in the Jamaican bobsleigh team.
1: Let's talk about your penultimate choice (laughs) on Music Was My First Love uh, from Electronic.
0: Now, I'm not cool. At all, full stop And I'm certainly not cool when it comes to music But my eldest sister Had a boyfriend Who used to do PAing ing uh, gigs and things for, for some of the big Manchester bands Of the time So he'd done Joy Division, he did New Order And one day, when I was about 15 Barney from New Order came to my house Not to see me To see my sister and her boyfriend And, and so I kind of always loved New Order from that point And then this song came out And it's, it's Barney from New Order Johnny Marr from The Smiths There's a bit of Pet Shop Boys in there as well And it's a great song And also it's called Getting Away With It Which is how I kind of sum up my career Because with, with limited talent and ability Somehow I'm still managing to eke out a living from doing it So this works on every level
1: Tenth and final choice, Simon, at time of recording, now becomes the standalone second most chosen recording artist on music. It was my first, Lev Elton John. A massive, massive back catalogue. So any particular reason for Are You Ready For Love?
0: The time that this came out was when I had one of the most lovely experiences of my broadcasting career, and it was in South Wales. I was working for a radio station called Real Radio, Mm -hmm. which had, had opened up. And I was, I've lived in Somerset for 20-odd years, and from across the water I heard this radio station start and thought, God, I want to work there. It just sounds amazing. It was big, it was exciting, it came on air, and from nowhere was a massive success. And as luck would have it, they took me on, and, and I had a fantastic four years at Real Radio. And at the time that I was doing it, this song was out in the charts. Now, to get us back to the very start of where our conversation came on, one of the days that sticks in my mind, I would drive from a house in Somerset and I would go up the M5, cross the second seven crossing and drive down the M4 through the Glass tunnels. And, and one evening, I was listening to Radio 2 when Johnny Walker had been taken ill and Noel Edmonds mm, I was brought in to replace him. And the first song Noel played on that show was Elton John are you ready for love and I listened to Noel Edmonds and thought god he's still great and that's why I still love my job and then I was two hours later on real radio playing the song as well and I kind of thought it doesn't get better than this and Mm. the the experience I had working in in South Wales was just a brilliant brilliant time I, I worked for real radio I then went to work for for BBC Radio Wales for a little while, and just the most lovely people, the most interactive of audiences, the most warm and friendly response I got, even though I was an Englishman from across the water. And this song just makes me feel happy about that, that lovely time I had.
1: Have you ever met Noel Edmonds? I,
0: I have met Noel Edmonds several times, yeah. He's, he is as lovely in real life as I could have hoped he would be. And he also is, having watched him work, he is just incredible. I, I watched, this is going to bore you, but it, for me it was the most amazing thing. I watched him do two episodes of Teleaddict back-to-back. He didn't have any cue. he didn't have an earpiece, he never forgot anybody's name, he never forgot where the, the quiz was going, and at the end of it I was lucky enough to be able to say, God, Noel, how do you do it? And he said, I don't know, I just can but hmm. ask me now about anything that happened in the last hour and I've got no idea <laughs> because you, you, you can do it at the time and then yeah. it's all disappeared in a blaze, which I sort of follow that. People go to me, oh, wasn't that great? What happened on Wednesday? And I'm like, I, I can't even remember what happened two minutes ago, let alone <laughs> Wednesday. But no, Noel Edmonds, just a legendary broadcaster. I am so lucky that he was the person who inspired me and even more lucky that, that i got to see him up close and personal and shake his hand and he even gave me a gotcha oscar so you know oh, that now so you know it's 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 a lovely thing when you when you're sitting on national tv in the presence of of a legend who says something complimentary about something you've done so you know he's he's just great he's great as is elton john
1: 30 years plus in broadcasting simon any one thing that stands out That you're particularly proud of,
0: just that I'm still doing it. I, I, you know, I look at some of the hugely talented people who have been around through my career, and some of them have gone off to do other things, absolutely through choice because it was the right time to do stuff. Others have just fallen by the wayside, and some of them have gone on to to amazing things. You know, people like Philip Schofield, people like. Eamon Holmes, who I still get to talk to very occasionally, and and it's just a lovely thing that if you if you've got a passion to do something, and you are lucky enough to be given the opportunities to to live that dream, you know what's not to love about life.
1: And what about future plans? I presume you're still very happy at Radio Somerset.
0: Well, it's whether they're happy rather than <laughs> whether I'm happy. I suspect they'll sack me before I leave. But yeah, no, it's been I've been at Radio Somerset for. I think it's 16 years this year. I, I did the Saturday Breakfast Show throughout all sorts of different bits of career that I've done. And they kept on saying to me, well, do, do you think you'd like to come full time? And I was working for ITV and so it was kind of a case of going, well, I've got this here and you know, the money's not quite right and all this kind of stuff. And then, then the time happened that was the right time and I came over to do it full time. And you know, the great thing about Radio Now... As is this show, you know, people are listening on mobiles anywhere in the world. They're, they're logging onto computers and hmm. listening to it. Y- you know, you're not just in in the olden days when I started at Radio Tees, If you weren't in Teesside and North Yorkshire, you couldn't hear us. Now everything is everywhere, and there is so much good stuff coming out. And I'm just glad to be still part of it for as long as they'll let me.
1: Simon, it's been a real nostalgic pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You've been listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan, where broadcaster Simon Parkin has been choosing ten of his favourite tracks. I'm Andrew Wolf, and join me again soon when someone else chooses ten of their favourite tracks on another edition of Music Was My First Love. Music of the future